We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Welcome to the Budding Heads Podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Seaver Barrow. As always, I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, it's been a hair over an hour since Magic Johnson stepped down from the Lakers without telling his boss about it. How you feeling? You, you know, I think he basically did something that we all wanted to happen. You know, he's like, uh, I'm not going to get involved in this. And you know what? Uh, I, I'm just going to go back to being Magic Johnson, just doing whatever the hell I want. You literally, which could, was pretty much what got him in trouble to begin with. You could not have scripted a more absurd and fitting ending to this Lakers season outside of LeBron demanding a trade, which would be just—it's not going to happen. Uh, he wants to be there, but Jesus Christ, man, uh, I cannot believe that happened. But um, he did a pretty horrible job building that team. But at the same time, he did 
acquire LeBron James. So, I mean, I don't know. It's debatable how much impact he really had on acquiring LeBron James. But I don't know, man. Anyways, this isn't a Lakers podcast. Um, If you want more Lakers takes, let us know, and we'll throw them into the podcast at a later date during our uh, off-season lulls. But uh, this is a pretty historic podcast for us, Johnny. This is the first show we've done since Sean Mannion officially became a member of the Minnesota Vikings, following in the footsteps of legends like Case Keenum, Sean Hill, and Sam Bradford, and going from horns to horns. Horns to horn, I guess. Um, they so, pretty horny. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> I, I mentioned this to Johnny. This is going to be our final episode of the show where we do a Sean Mannion segment unless he starts a game for the Vikings next year. It's a big moment for us as a podcast, but we're going we're gonna to save that for later. Um, but I guess, Johnny, any immediate reaction to Sean, Sean Mannion joining those legendary former Rams? I mean, I'm just still in awe that you just mentioned a bunch of horns, and I'm like, dude, they, you just got a bunch of horny dudes. <laughs> I, I mean, it's still sticking with me. I swear I'm an adult, but that's what I got stuck in my head right now. <laughs> uh, I I don't know if anyone else who runs the Rams t- talk Twitter account knows I did this, but I put out a tweet asking everyone to share their favorite Sean Mannion memories from from his time here, and the responses were much, a lot more uh, unexpected than I thought in some aspects. So we're going to save that for later in the show. And I promise I'll read everyone that replied to us. But I, as always, I don't open the show with genuine Shaw Mannion segments. Uh, that's a rule of thumb here in case we have new listeners. But anyways, speaking of new listeners and old listeners, you guys know where to find us. Please give us a five-star review wherever you're listening, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. Every review helps us climb the charts and get get more listeners to help you get better content. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, Radio Public, and Spotify. And don't forget to check out our show, other shows on the network, Rams Talk Radio, which has been great gearing up for the draft, as well as Rams Uncensored. I believe Norm Hightower's show, longly anticipated film study, is coming soon. And, of course, check out our podcast feed on the Clutch Points app. All right, Johnny, we have been kind of – I don't even know if we've teased this on the podcast at all, but we, on our list of topics to talk about for about a month now, have had NF- the, the NFC West kind of landscape of what the other teams have done in this offseason on our docket for about a month I asked you today what you want to talk in the pod, and you mentioned this again, and I literally forgot we hadn't done it yet because we've just had it on our list for so long. So today's the day we're going to do it. What, what team do you want to start with? Ooh, uh, let's get started with the worst team in the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> with the first pick in the draft, still up for debate on if they will take a quarterback or not. Obviously, we know they had Josh Rosen last year. Did not go well for him, but... In kind of a Jared Goff rookie season sense, there wasn't really any hope for him there. The Arizona Cardinals finished three and thirteen last year, uh, where last in the league in total yards, passing yards, rushing yards, and points. Um, they hired Cliff Kingsbury as their coach, which I guess is worth mentioning. It's another new acquisition. And player wise, here are their additions: Brett Hundley, quarterback. 
Marcus Gilbert, right tackle in a trade from the Steelers. Inside linebacker Jordan Hicks from the Eagles. Outside linebacker Terrell Suggs, obviously from the Ravens. Wide receiver Kevin White from the Bears, the much-injured Kevin White, and guard J.R. Sweezy from Seattle. Guys they lost, quarterback Mike Glennon, guard Mike Ayupati, wide receiver J.J. Nelson, safety Antoine Basea, and tight end Jermaine Gresham, uh, who hasn't signed with anyone yet, but I believe he's either retired or just not coming back to Arizona. Uh, Johnny, I'll let you start. What what do you make of this offseason for the Cardinals? Uh, you know, the Cardinals have a very interesting, uh, well, a very interesting position in, in the NFL draft and in the off season itself. Um, I feel like they've done, you know, a few things that may actually help their team. I know a lot of people aren't very keen on Kevin white, but, and, and to tell you the truth, I, I'm, I think the signing, I take the signing with a grain of salt. But all things considered, I will say that uh, adding Kevin White isn't a bad idea because, you know, you're putting him next to Larry Fitzgerald, who I'm sure he can get a ton of knowledge from. And on top of that, you know, you're giving an extra weapon to Rosen or whoever the quarterback may be in Arizona. This this is actually a good thing. This is one of the reasons why. Arizona sucked so bad last season is because there just wasn't enough weapons. You basically were only down to Larry Fitzgerald, who is, you know, still a one hell of a player, but he's way past his prime and David Johnson. And there's only so much the guy can do. So adding more weapons is exactly what they needed to do. And they're going to need to continue to do. I was also impressed seeing Terrell Suggs, I don't know how they were able to convince him to come to Arizona, but that was a big that was a big pickup, I think. You know, that was that was an excellent pickup. And uh, you know, putting him next to Chandler Jones, I think this is gonna be this is gonna be a, an excellent uh, uh duo here and, and you know, potentially adding other players is is gonna make them uh, you know, rise a little bit. I mean, there's nowhere to go up uh nowhere to go but for, up from here, right? No, there's really nowhere to go but up. Well, they only won three games, but the Browns went 1-15, and it got worse. So uh, take that <laughs> statement with a great assault, I guess. Um, I- I'm with you, though. They, I think they had a really – personnel-wise, they had a really solid offseason, I think. Um, you know, Losing Ayupati probably hurts a little bit, uh, but, but they and Nelson are decent players. But um, they upgraded that – but they – Acquired Brett Hundley and somehow upgraded at backup quarterback. So we could start with that. Uh, I mean, Marcus Gilbert, that was a really solid accusation, I thought. Uh, Kevin White, I, I don't, I think he's probably, like, I, I don't see much there, but I also agree with you. I don't think it's a bad transaction. I think it's a low risk move, and that, who knows? There might be something left in the tank. Um, Terrell Suggs was a great addition, and I agree. I don't know how they convinced him to sign with that team. Uh, it, it That was a pretty mind-blowing transaction to me. I know we mentioned in this podcast we would have loved to have Charles Suggs. I personally would have rather had him than Clay Matthews, but I'm, I'm fine with what we got. The thing that it's hard for me to buy into the Cardinals because I hate that Cliff Kingsbury hire so much, and I could be wrong. I, I could very well be wrong about this, and I'm not – 
look, I'm not going to be sitting here like Skip Bales and Colin Coward where if they lose one game, I'll be like, I told you, terrible hire. I mean, you got to give it a season. And for me with coaches, you got to give them two seasons. But he was fired from his alma mater, took a offensive coordinator job, partially I'm sure because no one would give him a head coaching job, and then got hired to coach in the NFL because everybody is trying to find the next Sean McVay. And I I just I don't see this working. I think he's going to be Lane Kiffin 2.0. Uh, I don't know if that's like a takey thing to say, but I that's just how I see it. I really don't think this was a good hire at all. I get why they did it. It's a franchise that needed a home run swing. Um, they have David Johnson. He's he's still young, but he's not that young for a running back. He's 27 years old. Uh, I I think he'll he's got plenty of prime left, but coming off a bad year, you want to get him an, another a good season and quick. You want to get him help. You have a young quarterback in Josh Rosen, who whether or not they are gonna take a quarterback, these rumors cannot be assuring to him that you know this is all out there about them wanting to take a quarterback at number one, and you know they haven't they've committed to Rosen kinda, but. I don't know. It can't be good for him whether he's the guy or not. Uh, personally, I think it would be a mistake to trade him unless unless they genuinely believe that he's not the guy. And in that case, um, I know a lot of people would say, well, they, they gave up on – they they took a quarterback in the first round. You have to let it right out. If they look at him and go, this is not the guy that's going to lead our franchise anywhere, that's a sunk cost. You move on while you can get value back for him, and you take the quarterback you want at number one. But personally, I think they should give Rosen another year. Um, I you know I don't think he's a lost cause at all, and I think a lot of other teams would be happy to trade for him. But I, I, <laughs> I'm I'm hesitant to say that there's nowhere to go but up because I don't think this Cliff Kingsbury hire is going to go well. This that's kind of true, and to kind of add a little bit more to the quarterback situation because that's kind of you know what a lot of people don't realize is the the Cardinals really. I mean, this is kind of. This might sound like a little bit cliched or a little bit stupid, but uh, if you really think about it, the Cardinals have a very important pick at pick number one, not because, you know, it's the number one overall pick, which, yes, obviously that's an important pick, but it's because it'll set the tone for the entire draft, because if they end up picking Kyler Murray, who, in my opinion, I think it would be dumb to, to actually select him number one overall considering who's available uh you know and and also considering they just drafted josh rosen last year um i think that's kind of a stupid way to go but you know if they do indeed pick that that quarterback you basically have a lot of defensive players going uh right off the board really quickly and murray will probably end up going to the new york giants at pick six so that's yeah, that's interesting how that'll work out. But to kind of to kind of add to that a little bit, the reason why there's a lot of analysts, especially like the the McShays and the Kuipers, out there suspecting that the Cardinals are gonna pick um, Murray and trade Rosen is because there was a quote a while back that uh, Kingsbury said that if he had the number one overall pick, he would actually select uh, Murray. 
So there's a lot of people kind of speculating, well, is he going to, you know, keep to his word that he made forever ago? Um, so I think that would be a big mistake. I'm not a huge believer in Rosen, which is saying something considering, you know, uh, I'm a UCLA fan. I'm not a huge believer in, in, in Rosen as an NFL quarterback. Um, but I think that you already got the guy. You have a guy like Nick Bosa sitting right there, a guy you shouldn't pass up on. You need to pick Bosa in, in reality. You just need to pick Bosa. I, I'm with you. I, th- I think drafting Murray for them would be a mistake. Uh, hiring Cliff Kingsbury was a mistake, I think. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, I don't. I know they're in our division, but I don't have any animosity towards the Cardinals. I honestly think I like them more than the other two teams in our division. So I, I guess I hope it works out. But also, it would be nice to keep another team in our division as a perennial bottom feeder. But I, I don't know. I think we've given enough thoughts in there. We'll we'll revisit that after the draft if they do actually end up taking Kyler Murray number one, which would be pretty insane. How about we do the 49ers next? The 49ers went 4-12 and last year. Um, kind of a lost season for them. Jimmy Garoppolo, who I'm pretty sure made about $37 million last year. That's not hyperbole. Uh, get, went down, um, what was it, week two, week three he got injured? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, very early. Uh, shockingly enough, their backup quarterback's Prove pretty capable Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard uh I say if we're going three quarterbacks deep this is one of the better quarterback rooms in the NFL which is kind of odd to say but at the top uh, I'm not a huge Garoppolo believer but we'll see additions for them defensive end D Ford from the Chiefs they get the second round pick for cornerback Jason Barrett linebacker Quan Alexander who we both like they, they gave him a shitload of money Running back Tevin Coleman from the Falcons, adding to a convoluted running back core. Wide receiver Jordan Matthews from, I believe he was his last on the Eagles. Um, subtractions for them. Really looking at the players that they didn't really lose anybody that significant. Cassius Marsh, defensive end, went to the Seahawks, but um, only lost their punter, Bradley Pinion. Uh, and Pierre Garcon hasn't signed with anyone yet, but... It seems like he's out the door, and Alfred Morris, who um, they brought in Tevin Coleman, they're not going to miss him. What are your thoughts on the moves the 49ers made and their positioning for next season? Well, a lot of people are, are suggesting that D Ford was kind of the biggest acquisition, and I would strongly disagree I felt like D Ford was a little bit on the overrated side just because he benefited on, you know, a, a very talented defensive front from the Kansas City Chiefs. But um, you know, putting him on a you know, a decent uh defensive front of the San Francisco 49ers, he may benefit there too. So uh, you know, there's that. Me personally, I think the biggest acquisition for them was Quan Alexander. I don't know if he was worth as much as they paid him, but that's kind of beside the point. You know, adding Quan Alexander is just going to make their defense just that much better. And, you know, San Francisco, you know, that's going to be a team to watch out for, to be honest. And then don't sleep on the Coleman pickup either, because 
you know, this is a guy that I felt like was very underrated. The only thing is he needs to stay healthy, which was kind of been like one of his biggest downfalls in Atlanta. So, um, you know, adding Coleman to, like you said, you know, really decent running back core, you know, this, this is going to be a, an interesting team to watch out for. I don't know if you put them into like a threat for the Rams just yet, but, you never know. I mean, stranger things have happened. I mean, look how fast that the Rams rose uh, ever since they dropped, you know, Fisher Ball. They're they're truly the wild card of the division next year. Um, they, I I think they made some solid moves. Uh, D Ford, you know, he might have benefited, yeah, but he's still he's still a talent. There's no denying that. Quan uh, Alexander, he got a lot of money, but they had a lot of cap space, and he's young, so it is it's. And I'm not going to sit here and call it a home run, but I don't think it's a negative, uh, as, as assuming he's healthy. I think he's a good player. He brings a lot to this defense. Um, but Tevin Coleman, too, I'm I'm not sure why they brought in Tevin Coleman because I don't think they needed to. But also, that's a really talented running back core right now with Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, and Jarek McKinnon. Uh, you can never have enough talent and as far as those guys are concerned, I don't think they're huge personalities. I don't think they'd be upset by not getting a lot of touches. And I think they will be able to divvy it up pretty evenly. Personally, I think you should ride the Breida train because you know he looked good last year. But um, that's a good backfield, man. That's a, Their offense has a lot of talent if Garoppolo can come back, be healthy, and you know be even 75% of what they pay what he's expected given the amount of money they paid him. I mean, we talked about the running backs. Marquis Goodwin and Dante Pettis are very good young receivers. Uh, you know, they're not elite receivers, but they're very solid. And when you factor in the fact that they have George Kittle, arguably, I wouldn't say he's the be- arguably the best tight end in the league, but he's, he's probably a top three tight end right now pretty definitively. That's, that's a lot of talent for Garoppolo to share the ball with. And I think... You bolster up that defense a little bit. You bring in two guys in Ford and Quan who are very good players. That's they're interesting. They're interesting. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they made the playoffs. I don't think I'm picking them to make the playoffs, but it would not surprise me. And another, I think go ahead. Oh, sorry about that. So another thing is uh, what um, the 49ers are in a good position too. You know, they're they're really hoping that uh, the Cardinals are foolish enough to pick uh, Murray because at pick number two, they're going to pick Nick Bosa. And even if they don't get Bosa, they're going to have Quinnen Williams right there. So this is going to be a scary defense next year. And this is going to be like one of the better ones out there. You know, we're not even talking about their secondary either, who they retained, you know, some pretty key guys too. So, you know, this – this is going to be an interesting team, especially defensively. And I think, like, this is going to be a fun team to watch. Um, I, I don't think some of our listeners will like me saying that, but no, I definitely have not looked forward to the 49er games over the past couple of years, even though we did get that great game uh, on Thursday Night Football. I think during it was Eric McVay's first season, Brian Hoyer in a shootout. But <laughs> this is a fun, interesting team. I think Kyle Shanahan's a good coach, uh, and – I'm going to enjoy keeping my eye on them and watching them. I think uh, there's a lot of fluctuation with how they can perform. If Garoppolo comes back and it's just not good, I, I 
they're going to be hard pressed to bench him. But I don't think those backup quarterbacks are that bad. I think I think you give him a full year, no matter how bad he's playing, unless he is like Osweiler levels of bad, which I can't imagine he will be. So I think he this team will go as far as he takes them. There's a lot of talent there, and if they don't make the playoffs, or I don't know if they're healthy and win five or six games, they might have to look in the mirror a little bit and figure out where that problem was. But this is a talented roster. Um, I, I'm. I'm honestly very interested to see where this team goes next year. Let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks. Obviously made the playoffs last year, lost in the first round of the Cowboys, whose ass we whooped in the second round. So we are better than you. Additions for the Seahawks. <laughs> this is the list of players they acquire that are you know notable. Uh, guard Mike Ayupati, good player. Kicker Jason Myers, great player. He's a kicker. Uh, should be noted that they also signed Rams legend Sam Ficken to be a camp body. And quarterback <laughs> Paxton Lynch. And that's about it for notable players. They did – I didn't listen, but they did re-sign some key guys. Uh, they brought back some real good players. But sub- subtractions for them, guard J.R. Sweezy, who went to the Cardinals. QB Brett Hundley, also went to the Cardinals. Running back Mike Davis safety Earl Thomas and cornerback Justin Coleman. Those are some pretty good players that they lost. And not, I think IU potty replacing Jarrah Sweezy is probably an upgrade or at the worst a wash, but I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm never going to count these guys out because they have Russell Wilson and they have Pete Carroll and they have a, a couple other really good players on the team still, but I, I don't think they had a good off season. No, not at all. I mean, this was their opportunity to, uh, you know, step up and and, you know, find some uh, some actual. Uh, well, in, in a way, too, they had a lot of damage control, you know, some expiring contracts that they needed to keep. And in that regard, they did keep some key players. I mean, we already knew they were going to lose Thomas. I mean, yeah, there was no going back with that one. But um all in all, I think in terms of retaining, you know, their their key guys, they did a solid job. But in terms of adding anything else, it's not there. And then on top of that, you know, you have a, another looming contract we'll get into, uh, you know, a little bit later. But, um, yeah, they, they have to hit a home run in this uh, NFL draft because uh, I you're, you're looking at a lot of upgraded nfc west teams here even the arizona cardinals to an extent i felt like had you know the better off season uh i don't know if they're a threat to be honest but, but i do think they at least improved a little bit and i i don't think seattle really improved much if at all no no not i it's hard to say they improved at all uh, i i mean they probably didn't get that much worse we might be overreacting but they definitely didn't improve and you know i've as i always say when you're a team trying to compete and contend having a good backup quarterback is um important and they somehow downgraded from they had brett hunley they ended up getting paxton lynch they might have a worse backup quarterback than we did last year that's a legitimate debate i I don't. I don't know, man. It's they're tough to judge because they still have Russell Wilson. 
Um, say what you want about him. He is, he's carried this team to victories many times over the past season, couple seasons. I think Chris Carson is really good. Uh, Mike Davis, losing him, I think, will hurt more than they think. But if Rashad Penny is the player they expect him to be, that loss will be felt less. Uh, the receivers are pretty good. They still got some guys there on defense that they brought back. I think I think they'll be fine, but I I don't really see them pushed going anywhere. I guess I don't. I see I can see them making the playoffs. They probably will, but they're not a team you're going to want to play in the playoffs. But at the same time, I I can't really see them making a legit run. And just for added context on this list, so we could hear what it sounds like talking about the Rams. The Rams additions this offseason, quarterback Blake Bortles, linebacker Clay Matthews, safety Eric Weddle. Subtractions, Nadam Gensu, Roger Saffold, John Sullivan, LaMarcus Joyner, Mark Barron, CJ Anderson. So I'm sure if other NFC West podcasts did this discussion, that doesn't sound great for the Rams. And the reason I'm saying that is because I don't know what players the Seahawks and the Cardinals and the 49ers have on their teams that are the equivalents to like Micah Kaiser and Brian Allen and Joseph Noteboom. That's just me being honest. And also like we know that sounds bad on paper for the Rams, but we know I think outside of Saffold, none of these losses are going to be monumental. Um, and if they can replace Saffold, they'll be fine. But I don't know. I just, I just wanted to throw that out there. So we know like how it sounds for us as well, if that makes sense. Uh, that's that's a good point because you know even though as as a you know as a crew that follows the Rams pretty extensively we know that you know although these names are pretty big uh, there's not a lot of them that actually are gonna be a huge impact to the team I mean you know you you for example the looking at Nick and Sue losing him. And you're like, well, what's going to happen? And to tell you the truth, I don't know if that's such a big deal just because uh, other than the playoffs, he really, I mean, there was a few games he did really well, but most of the season he was just kind of there. And considering all the prospects in the draft and even some of the guys that we already have on the team, I think the Rams will be just fine. And then as far as really the only one that I feel like that's somewhat devastating was Roger Saffold because, I mean, we don't really know who's going to end up replacing him. You know, we, we have an idea that it'll be Joseph Noteboom, which is kind of what we're hoping for because this is the this is a guy that the Rams invested in last year. Um, and it seems like, you know, from the limited play that he had – and from you know reports around camp, he he has done fairly well, but we're never gonna really know until you know week one, uh, and he's the starter. So it's really hard to judge. And if you're somebody from the outside, it, it they're gonna judge a little bit more critically too. And I think you know any way you slice it, I would bet a significant amount of money that we. Our, our left guard next year is not better than Roger Saffold. Uh, I think there's a 99.9% chance that's going to happen. Whether the team is worse overall, I, I don't think they will be, but that particular position, unless we get an absolute unit in the first round at that pick, 
Our guard is not getting better than Roger Saffold. You can I don't think we're gonna upgrade from Sue either, whether it's somebody stepping in or whether we draft somebody, but I don't think that loss will be as felt as long as the guy that takes his place is serviceable because of what you said about Sue. I think he'll be worse than Sue. And I think because we had such high expectations of Sue, that's kinda why we nitpicked him a lot, and rightfully so. But Saffold is one where like we're not gonna improve at guard next year. There's no way. Center Sullivan, yeah, he was kind of washed. We that could get better. Maybe Brian Allen's better. Same thing for Mark Barron, uh, Lamarcus Joyner. I think we did upgrade there. Obviously, bringing in Eric Weddle, um, but the Saffold loss is gonna hurt. And uh, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know how I got to that point. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think we did enough on that. Let's move on, guys. Before we do. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Guys, well, if you want to learn more about the Rams history with a bit of a personal touch and just the great history of Los Angeles sports in general, you've got to check out Jim Hawk, our sponsor's book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams who lends a Jim's dad, John, who was an offset lineman for the team from 1950 to 1957. Check out a son story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, Glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Leg Search, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s LA Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at HollywoodSteam.com and on Twitter at HollywoodSteam. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I bought the hardback from Amazon. It is awesome. It's an awesome looking book. Uh, it looks great on my shelf. It looks great in my hand. I'm enjoying reading it. Uh, not finished with it yet, but uh, honestly, guys, this is, this is a great story about a, about the Rams in general. You know, you're going to learn a lot about the team through this book. But it's also just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, guys, trust me, you're not going to miss out. You're not going to want to miss out on this book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is well worth your time. All right, Johnny, let's trans- keep him with what we just talked about. Let's go back to Russell Wilson. Now, um, and correct me if I'm wrong if I don't realize this information right. Russell Wilson has until the 15th to sign a contract extension with the the Seahawks. He wants a pretty hefty payday, um, you know, rightfully so. He has absolutely earned the right to want more money. Uh, this year his cap it is $25 million, but I think in the future he's looking at he, I think what it's, the rumor was, was he'd like about 35 annually if he can or just the highest guaranteed money for quarterback in the NFL. It doesn't seem like they're going to be able to work out a deal before that deadline. They, The Seahawks can franchise tag him next year if they chose to. But uh, what, do you, what do you make of this, Johnny? And how do you, how do you think this uh, will affect, if at all, our negotiation with Jared Goffs in the, in the coming year? Uh, so just to clarify, uh, Russell Wilson actually set the uh, the deadline. He basically gave the Seahawks till April 15th to uh, sign him to an extension. And I think this was more along the lines of saying, hey, I helped, you know, make this franchise what it was, you know, in an era where they were irrelevant. And that's absolutely true. You know, this is a guy that really did elevate the Seahawks to a level they hadn't seen in quite some time. You know, he did bring a Super Bowl here and almost two if, if you know, they actually ran the ball. But um, that's another story. So, 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't forget, don't forget, opening day of the next season on fourth and one, and it wasn't on the goal line, but still, the Seahawks ran it right up the middle with Marshawn Lynch, and who stopped him? The Rams, and they won the game. <laughs> this is true. That is true. But all that said, um, Russell Wilson truly deserves this contract. And the thing is, it's not so much that the Seahawks don't want to give him a contract extension. It's they probably can't afford it. And the reality is, is they're, the Seahawks are probably just going to give him a franchise tag next season, uh, considering he doesn't threaten to hold out. But even if he does, I have a feeling they'll they'll do it anyway. The, the thing is, is you it's come to an era kind of like what the Rams are doing with Jared Goff, where you have a solid team built around a rookie quarterback contract, because once they hit that prime, you're not going to have the money really to afford all of these other top talented players. And that's where the Seahawks are at right now. They, they do have, you know, a solid team per se, you know, they have like the, uh, they have kind of the cogs to make this thing work. Uh, it's up to them to, you know, add more, you know, assets to actually make this team go up to a higher level. But the thing is, it all just depends on, you know, if the Seahawks feel like they can do that. So what's probably going to end up happening is they're going to probably end up tagging um you know, Wilson, you know, and hopefully, you know, hold out hope that they can make an agreement that, you know, benefits both sides. But um, either way, I feel like Wilson is going to try his best to either be traded, which is also another option. The Seahawks could opt to trade him if they feel like they're completely separated and try and get in, you know, something else. And let's face it, a trade for Russell Wilson would garner a huge, you know, considering their the the general manager is worth anything, you know, it would garner a huge return. So that's kind of the angle that the Seahawks have, you know, certain options there. But ultimately, you'd like to keep a guy like Russell Wilson on your team. Now, what does it mean for the Rams? Well, uh, for one thing, if he gets paid, you know that. Goff's agent is going to be looking very close at that contract saying, um, well, that guy in Seattle, you know, and that mediocre Seahawks team. Yeah. He just got paid big time and, uh, we want more. And that's what's going to end up happening. You know, any, any time there's a quarterback in this league that gets paid a significant amount, you know, Goff's agent is going to be looking at that and looking at that really, really closely. And, you know, especially considering if Goff has another hell of a season, uh, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty likely that he's going to command, you know, upwards of thirty million dollars. So, uh, you know, at, at least a season rather. I think, um, it, what whatever Wilson gets, I don't think Jared Goff's agent. And it, I, I could be wrong. I don't think his agent can come around and say we want more than this. Because, you no, know, whatever we want to say about Jared Goff and how good he is, he's he hasn't done what Russell Wilson has done. 
Um, but I, yeah, if Russell Wilson gets like $35 million a year, then Jared Goff's agent can come back and be like, we are not taking a dime over 30. And I think I've been saying that Jared Goff's going to get 30 for a while now. Um, and I think you just gotta, you gotta pay him. If it's over that, we'll see, but it's easier to, I, I think just, Ideally, yeah, you want to get a great quarterback on a rookie contract. That is the recipe for a championship. It's the easiest way. But would you rather have an established quarterback for a shitload of money that's very good, that's easily like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, or would you, while you're a contender, while you have a ton of money into great players, want to just be like, we'll take our chances with a rookie and hope it works out. Because you could end up with Paxton Lynch if you go that route. You could. Oh, there's, there's been guys that just don't work out. You have to pay the quarterback. And Jared Goff has earned a big payday. It's going to cripple our cap when it happens. And it might make it hard to really, really keep that championship window open. I think they can, given the amount of talent they, they'll still have around him on, on the books. But you got to pay him and... We we should be bracing ourselves for at least thirty million annually for that golf extension when it comes up because it's not going to be until twenty twenty one. That's a whole another year of quarterbacks being able to get paid. I do want to say this though about Russell Wilson, the man is the most important player in the history of the Seattle Seahawks. I don't think that's a bold thing to say. I think it's if he doesn't come in that first year guns blazing like he did, and uh, they end up going into season with Matt Flynn as their starter. They probably don't win the Super Bowl in 2013. They don't start this run of excellence where well, they make multiple Super Bowls. Uh, they have a couple very good seasons. You're going to franchise tag the guy? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, if if he wants out, if he wants to go get a big payday and you're not willing to pony up, let him go. Recoup good assets for him. If nobody wants to trade for him, I mean, I know the smart thing is to franchise tag him, but I, this guy is so goddamn important to that franchise man i i don't know i just i think that would be disrespectful to him uh i i don't think that would be fair to him at that at this point in his career when he's going into a third contract if he wants to get paid he deserves to get paid and if you don't want to pay him i don't think it's the right decision by them but you got to just let him go get that money and you have him on the contracts go get some assets while you can and hopefully you get him in a situation that he wants to be in uh, that's just my two cents on that. I know loyalty is kind of dead in sports, but if anyone's earned it, it's guys like Russell Wilson. Well, you don't want him flipping off the sidelines either. So no. there's that. You already have bad PR among players because of that. Like you got you gotta do right by a guy like this that is that important to your team. Okay, uh, Johnny. I, I think it's time to talk about our friend Sean Mannion. <laughs> Folks, just so you know, Steve has been waiting all day to talk about this. So <laughs> you, you have no idea how excited he is to list out all of this. Uh, uh, well, let, let me just direct this to Steve. You know, this is Steve's <laughs> moment to, to pay tribute to Sean Mannion. I put out a tweet on our Ramstock Twitter asking fans to share their favorite memory of Sean Mannion during his time with the team. Uh, if you've listened to the show, I guess if you haven't, we talk about Sean Mannion a lot because 
I didn't think he was good, and I thought if Jared Goff got hurt, the team would be absolutely fucked, and there'd be no hope for them to do anything in the playoffs because nothing this guy did for me made me believe that they would. We basically threw away around a third, threw away a third round pick on the guy. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't really expect a lot of responses to this tweet. We got a lot of replies. They're very different. Some of them are very different from each other. Uh, I said I'll read them all on the show, so I'm going to. So this is going to be the rest of the show. Uh, the first couple responses, I think the first response was from Kevin Graham. Uh, shout out to Kevin. He's a good listener of our show. He said, favorite memory when he signed with the Vikings. Uh, uh, our, <laughs> our friend Tommy uh, from Rams Uncensored also said the same tweet, but Kevin get, said it first, so I'm going to give him the credit there. Um, I'm just going to go through the rest of these in order. Uh, Johnny, feel free to hop in on any of these if you have thoughts. Uh, Chris Cook said, my favorite was when he never played a meaningful snap. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is like uh, Sean Mannion roast hour here, man. Well, there are there are some positive responses in here, too. Uh, this is not one of them. Ernesto Martinez said, being on the bench, LOL. Uh, Edwin <laughs> Villarreal. Do you think I got that right? Johnny pronunciation? Nope. Not at all, but give, keep going. Give me the correct pronunciation for Edwin. Uh, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna try it. Oh. I, I'll, I'll say you're right. <laughs> all right. Well, Ed, here we go. This is the first one. Edwin said, first preseason game back to Los Angeles on eight thirteen sixteen versus the the Cow Pies with the game winning touchdown pass to Aaron Green in the closing minutes of the fourth quarter. Good luck, Mannion. Very nice, you Edwin. know. He's absolutely right. I was there actually that preseason game, and I, I kid you not. I know it was you know the very first preseason game back in LA, but man, it felt like a playoff game. And your boy Sean Mannion was the hero of that game. So um, that's actually very true. I actually forgot about that memory. That was from the the year when people were saying, and I think we both probably said this out season two like when case keenum wasn't doing good but they wouldn't put in jared goff like if you're not gonna play jared goff just fucking throw out manion out there like maybe some some magical happened i think because of that performance i guess uh or just because it was something different in case keenum at that point clearly was not gonna gonna cut it um but yeah that's a positive one michael rowe his response was just zero uh joe rodriguez he has some Greek words in here that I cannot read in between there. So this location is Mykonos, so shout out to Joe. Uh, we got listeners in different country, in different continents. Uh, Joe said, my favorite is when he threw for that touchdown. Wait, no, he didn't. When he ran for a first down. <laughs> wait, nope, wasn't him. When he blocked two defenders for Gurley. Wait, no, he never did. I guess no memories of him at all. Sorry. <laughs> Damn. That, that man, I can't even. Wow, that was harsh. <laughs> this is one I like. Chawhammer said, he "Used to be Madden during his rookie year because he was better than Foles and Keenum, especially at deep passes." I mean, in Madden, if you're gonna play a shitty quarterback, you might as well play the one that could throw it deep. And I guess in this case, it was Mannion. Um, unre- I guess kind of related, but Madden. I wish Madden was better because that game. Probably hasn't gotten any better since 2015. It's basically the same exact game, so I don't play it anymore. 
Uh, Charles Zabielski said he stood for the national anthem. Uh, all right, Charles, but we're not opening that Pandora's box on this episode of the show. Uh, so I'm just going to move on. Todd Gurley's yeah. – <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing that. Todd, but uh, sure. Todd Gurley's knee tweeted <laughs> – that's his account name, at TS Knee. Remember the time Shaw Manning showed up at the halftime and the Mud Dogs won the Bourbon Bowl? Um, oh man, I love I love me a Water Boy reference. Absolutely. Um, I don't really think he looks like Bobby Boucher, but no, sure. I, I'm not going to complain about a Water Boy reference. You can't <laughs> argue with Todd Gurley's knee. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not going to get in a fight with Todd Gurley's knee. Keith... <laughs> this is a great segment. I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as I am. Uh, Keith DeHaz said, unfortunately, he didn't make any. I agree with you, Keith. That's my favorite memory. Clash of the Horns said, the time Eric Dickerson wanted to start Manning over Goff was was the time my fave. Uh, that Starting him over Goff was a dumb take, but I do think that there was an argument to where that one season, like we mentioned, if they didn't think Goff was ready, just see what you got with Manning. Like, that was the one moment in his entire career here where you had a chance to play him, but I get why they didn't do it because if he somehow came out good, then you're going to be like, maybe they should just keep playing him. And if he came out bad, you're like, nice pick, Les. We wasted a third-round pick on this dude, but ultimately that's what ended up happening anyways. Um, George Matt, similar response. When Eric Dickerson, and he tagged him, he added him. When Eric Dickerson had said he was better than Goff, I think that expired something in Goff. Um Chris Cook responded to that. Remember when he hit the goalpost in Hard Knocks? Goff was amazed with his accuracy. Maybe Manning <laughs> was the one who lit a fire under Goff all along. I personally disagree with that strongly, but maybe that's the case. Here but we go. hey, you know, Steve, can you hit a goalpost from, you know, 40 yards out? No. Sean Manning is a much better quarterback than I am. <laughs> uh, you can probably <laughs> tape two of his fingers to the you could probably cut off two of his fingers and make him throw um, what a, he's not a lefty, is he? I don't think so. I don't even know. Um, you could cut off two fingers on his non-throwing hand and let him use that hand, and he will probably still be a much better quarterback than I could ever be. Uh, as I always say, us saying him not being good uh, means he's not good relative to his competition. He is better than 99% of players who have ever played football already just by being in the NFL and better than maybe 75% of quarterbacks who ever played in the NFL because he actually got a second contract somehow. Uh, so I, I, kudos to him, I guess, but I don't know. Daniel Liu, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he's also said the same thing about the Aaron Green touchdown pass. So maybe he did strike a chord with some people. Mario Flores Jr., who has a Lakers logo as his um, Twitter profile picture. So, sorry sorry about that, Mario. He never impressed me during preseason games. I knew he was never going to start on the team. All I got. I agree. But Chris Hernandez responded and said, Blasphemy, too much respect for the GOAT, and linked a, pic- a clip of him throwing a touchdown pass to Josh Reynolds in the preseason against the Chargers. In 2017, I'm not going to lie, Johnny, it was a decent pass, so I'll give Sean Mannion that, but I actually responded to that tweet and said, is this photoshopped? <laughs> I didn't remember Damn. that. 
It was a pretty decent throw. I don't remember it though. It, this this one started out the most to me. Eric Geller, who is a uh, looks like a freelance freelance media personality uh, out there in L.A. From speaking with him at various times at OTAs, training camps, practices, he understood his role on the team and kept himself ready and prepared for any time he was called upon. Unfortunately for him, the calls were quite rare. A true professional had worked hard backing up Jared Goff. Uh, that's high praise from Eric, man. I, I think that's yeah. a nice, that's a fond way to remember him. You know, he knew his role. That That, that is absolutely true, and, and shout out to Eric for that one because I was – that was actually a genuine response when I know a lot of these are just kind of trolling. Yeah, uh, I think that and when he went to the Vikings are tied for my favorite response. But uh, that's Manning, you know, he never complained. He had nothing to complain about. But, you know, he was still a, a professional. I was here. Um, and the fact that he played out his whole contract and was the backup quarterback for two years, I think says a lot of what the, the coaching staff thought about him. Um, but I'm still glad we upgraded, but yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm rooting for him if he somehow gets in there. Uh, I don't, I don't think he's going to do good, but I'm definitely rooting for him. Jim Westmoreland, uh, the Cowboys game too. Uh, Nelson Spruce was his go-to beat the Cowboys. Sharky (laughs) guy's name is just Sharky. Nope. Ain't got nothing. Darren Mueller, hard knocks, uh, talking about the goalpost. But Goff, he could hit the crossbar from 30 yards out and did. A to the CNLA said that Dallas preseason game, march in the field, thrown to Spruce that drive. So, I, look, I'm 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 surprised people had some good memories of him, but I'm glad they did. I, I honestly forgot about that game. Uh, you were there, Johnny, and you never brought that up in our two year in our year long talks about Mannion. Well, I mean, you know, if we're going to be relevant, I mean, this is a guy that excelled one game in the preseason, maybe two. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know if I can use that as genuine uh, proof that this guy is worthy of, you know, staying on the team. But, uh, you know, I will say it was it was a good moment. I was there and I was happy I saw it. You know, it was my first taste of LA Rams football in like 20 years. So yeah, I, I was happy to see that. Yeah. And I, I'm sure you, as well as our commission or listeners could have imagined my response to in an argument about Sean Mannion being good. You said, well, he played well in that preseason game two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would have just basically ended the, the argument. Uh, Bill, the jerk said that throwing contest he had with Goff and won. Uh, a lot of people bringing that up too. Browns versus Rams 2020 Super Bowl 2.0 said, <laughs> "Wait, he was on our team. I don't remember him playing." And uh, uh, I'm not. I'm not acknowledging this last guy. We got a troll. This last comment. He's not getting a shout out. Uh, that's it. As I mentioned, this is the final segment on Sean Mannion the show will ever have, unless he starts a game next year, in which obviously. We will talk about it, even if it doesn't have to do with us. But do you have any final parting thoughts on our buddy here heading to Minnesota? Uh, just good luck to him out in, in Minnesota. I I hope that you resurrect your career and start over Kirk Cousins, even though that's never going to happen. But if you do, I am definitely going to bring this up. 
and we're going to have another Sean Mannion uh, discussion. So uh, here's hoping. Oh, absolutely. Um, look, I wrote an article, I think I mentioned the podcast, you can check it out at ramstalk.net, called The Bus Meter, about how mad we should be about players that disappoint for us. It was a 1 through 5 grading scale, 1 being the lowest, 5 being the highest. Sean Mannion will be a 1, uh, because 1 is basically guys that you bring in, you probably shouldn't have brought them in to begin with, and they just kind of did as you expected. Sean Mannion was kind of, I don't know, I don't think it was a great pick when we picked him. Uh, it wasn't the worst pick, but he came in. He never really had a chance to do anything. He didn't do anything, and that was kind of it. He left. Uh, it's a one to me. I won't root against the guy. Hell, if he gets in there, I'd root for him because it would definitely benefit our show if he comes out there guns blazing in Minnesota somehow. I don't see it happening, but I am pulling for him. If you're listening to the show, Sean, if anyone knows him, we would gladly have him on the show at any time, uh, and he can come rip me apart as being a bad podcaster if he wants uh, i think i've deserved it from him if he were ever to come on our show um but yeah this i'm gonna miss our manion segments i won't lie he's gonna he's gonna come on the show and he's gonna be like so i hear you compare you compared me to rc10 <laughs> you imagine uh yeah <laughs> Hilarious. Mannion has an open invite to this show whenever he wants. Uh, you got any other parting thoughts here, Johnny? Orlando Pace and Jackie Slater are announcing draft picks for the Rams. Uh, I I think that those are two of the best Rams to ever play the game. So uh, good news there. And as for my final departing thoughts, uh, go Lakers. <laughs> oh, Lakers. I went to WrestleMania on Sunday. It was dope. Uh, I wish they would make it shorter because I was at MetLife Stadium for six and a half hours. Which, Dang. <laughs> uh, being in any place for six and a half hours is not ideal. And the main show itself was five and a half hours. So uh, WWE, I'd love for you to trim like an hour off of that. But it was awesome. My man Kofi Kingston won the belt. That was very emotional for everybody. Uh, I I was losing my fucking mind during that match. If anyone listens listen to the podcast, watches wrestling, I'm sure you can agree with me. Uh, for those that do, I'll just say I also pop pretty hard for the Iconics winning. That's my WrestleMania review. It was sweet. Uh, if you're wrestling, shout out, to Becky. Shout, out, shout out to Becky Lynch. Problem was though, um, it happened so late in the show. Like Becky won the title at like 12:30. Like damn. For such a big moment for women in you – know, I know it's not a sport, but women in sports and entertainment in general, for them to main event, the first for the first ever WrestleMania main event, it was a big deal. And like somebody mentioned on – I think it was the Mass Man Show podcast, which is a wrestling podcast, that you know for the little girls watching at home, they probably were asleep. It was 1230 Eastern time when that match ended. Like kids got to go to bed. And I think, like, this was a big moment for, like, little kids that seeing this, seeing, like, somebody as badass as Becky Lynch winning the title, man, I, I just wish it was earlier. And I think, you know, if there was an hour less of that show, the crowd would have been a little more amped for that match. I mean, I know I was exhausted. Uh, the people I was with left during the match, uh, I was like, look, I I paid a lot of money for this ticket. I'm not leaving. I'm staying for the whole thing. But I don't know. It was still awesome, though. Uh, shout out to the man, Becky Lynch. She is the shit. 
Becky, uh, you're welcome to join the podcast anytime to kick Steve's ass for saying that, you know, wrestling isn't a sport. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're welcome to kick his ass. It's not a sport. It's entertainment. Oh, <laughs> we need to get this tweeting. Listeners, no, I, we need to get this tweeting right I, now. I, I love wrestling. Uh, I will defend it to my grave, but uh, it's hard to like really put in this perspective because I think the wrestlers are more athletes than actors, but as a whole, it's more theater than sport, if that makes sense. Like, I, I don't know. It, it, the stunts are real. Like, they're, they're as real as they can be. Like, people are getting hurt. I Everything that looks like it hurts probably hurts. You know, not as bad as it looks, but it still all hurts. Like, you can't fake half the shit they do. You can't fake it fully. Um, I love wrestling, man. I, I know it's it's not real, but it's also not fake, if that makes sense. <laughs> I, I think you should tweet that out to, to the man herself. <laughs> Becky, if the Rams win the Super Bowl and we're about to record our podcast and Becky Lynch says, I want to be on the podcast, guess what? We're doing an entire Becky Lynch episode of the show because uh, that'll take priority. But um, I'm not going to uh, tweet that at Becky Lynch. Uh, I will t- tweet her congrats. Actually, I think I only tweeted about congratulating Kofi. So I guess I owe Becky a congratulations. Well, if we do get a chance to interview Becky Lynch – um, I'm pushing you out of the way and I'm going to interview her myself. I don't think she'd come on the podcast to begin with because nope. we're a football podcast and she probably doesn't like that. We're calling this sport football, uh, coming from Ireland. So <laughs> that, that's, that's my two cents. Uh, even if we were able to get her somehow, that would probably be the thing that would happen. Um, <laughs> all right. Hey, if you watch WrestleMania, tweet us your thoughts. Uh, I'd love to hear it. Uh, I also went to NXT TakeOver Friday, and that was fucking sweet. Uh, but we've we've done enough talking here. All right, guys. Uh, the draft is coming up soon. We'll probably be back to draft discussion next week. But until then, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RamsTalk. If you want to get draft uh, topics now, check out our podcast from last week with Trevor Sikama and also all of our content on the site, really. There's been a lot of draft coverage on the website ramstalk.net and on our other podcast ramstalk radio and rams and sensor don't forget to follow me on twitter at c ribero and johnny at johnny five not six and find us wherever you're getting your podcast guys subscribe rate review we really appreciate it can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. 
What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.